Good morning, Lamb of God family and friends and visitors. I'm Pastor Tim. I just want to welcome you to this service and glad that you could join us today. Uh, go ahead and follow or like and share our live stream so that others can join us in a minute as we get ready to start our message. But before we do, I want to just take a few minutes to go uh, uh, through communion with you and participate in uh, that wonderful sacrament again today as we build our faith for all that God has done for us through the blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. In the last several weeks, we've been talking about how Jesus bled seven different ways uh, on his journey to and through the cross, specifically redeeming us in every single capacity that we need redemption. And the seven, the seven represents completion and perfection. And so today we again are celebrating our perfect and complete redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's why we take communion to just continue to receive the life that he has for us. Today I want to specifically talk about that when Jesus was crucified, we know from history that not only were his hands pierced, but so were his feet. His feet were nailed to the cross. So I want to talk about the feet today. And it's interesting to me that just hours before Jesus' uh, feet were pierced for us, that he washed his disciples' feet. I don't know if you ever thought about that before or not. But Jesus took the form of a servant. He knelt down. He washed his disciples' feet uh, at the Last Supper. And hours later, the very next morning, early in the morning, about 9 a.m., he was crucified on a cross and his feet were pierced uh, as part of our redemption. Now, what does all that mean? There's a lot in Scripture about feet. I just want to read a couple of awesome uh, promises of God about, about this topic, okay? In Deuteronomy 28, 6, God says, you will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. That's an awesome promise that the favor of God surrounds us and is with us at all times. Deuteronomy 11:24. God said this to Moses. He repeated it to Joshua and it can be uh, received by each and every one of us today. Every place where you set your foot will be yours. That God wants to give you the land. Uh, to possess because we are his sons and his daughters. We are heirs of his creation and he's called us to rule and reign in his place here on the earth. So there's a blessing on your feet. Wherever you go, wherever I go, the favor of God surrounds us. Isn't that an awesome promise that we can receive today because of what Jesus did for us at the cross? I want to finish by saying this, Deuteronomy 30 verse 16. It says, I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will, you, you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. So when Jesus' feet were pierced for us, he was taking upon himself our sin and our curse, and he was blessing us and restoring the favor of God upon us so that wherever we go, that the favor of God surrounds us and we are operating with God's blessing, authority, and favor. You are blessed because of what Jesus has done for you. So today, as we take communion, let's celebrate that we are blessed wherever we go and are coming in or going and whatever God calls us to do, wherever we go, we have the favor of God because Jesus has restored the favor of God to us through his blood, shed blood on the cross in every single way that we needed. So let's celebrate that today. Okay, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that today, as we are reminded of another one of the different ways that you bled on the cross to redeem us, that today the curse has been removed 
and that we have your favor. And wherever we go, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are, we are favored and blessed because we belong to you. I thank you, Lord, today as a reminder for each and every one of us that when we go to work tomorrow, when we go to the grocery store later today, whenever we, we're going to school, whenever we do, wherever we go, we thank you that we had the favor of God, the blessing of God upon us in all of our travels. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you again that we are redeemed, we are loved, we are called by your name, we are your children, and we receive our living inheritance today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of communion together. Thank you, Lord, for your favor and your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're going to continue our series on Pentecost. And uh, uh, the idea of Pentecost, really a big component of that, is the coming of the Holy Spirit. And uh, of course, I'm standing here in front of a river. And this river reminds me of a lot of scriptures that talk about the Holy Spirit. First of all, we can drink of the Holy Spirit. Also, we are to flow with the Holy Spirit. But the most important thing for me is what Jesus said when he said that we will have rivers of living water flooding up or filling up or springing up from within us that will overflow to others around us because of the Holy Spirit. And so this series is to help us learn how to draw near to God, tap into the Holy Spirit, learn to live by the Holy Spirit, listen to the Holy Spirit, be led by the Holy Spirit, and enjoy the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our life. So uh, to pick up where I left off last week, there's seven feasts of Israel. And out of these seven feasts, seven, uh, the first four have already been fulfilled. And so I wanna just do a quick review of how those, been, how, how those have been fulfilled. But when we do this, remember that the Feasts of Israel are both historical events and they're prophetic coming events, okay? They're historical in the fact that they were a, a moment in time where God did something for his people Israel as a model to the world and as a foreshadowing of a spiritual salvation and redemption that he was going to play out throughout history. So the historical events are important because they set the tone, but the spiritual or prophetic fulfillment are always going to be in and through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the first four have already been fulfilled. So let's go through those very quickly. The first one is the Passover. Jesus is our sacrificial lamb for sin. Uh, in John 1, 29, John the Baptist, uh, before his followers, he said, look, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he was talking about Jesus, who he saw as the Passover lamb. So he fulfilled the Passover. Secondly, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is a picture of Jesus being without sin. He was the perfect sacrifice once and for all, for all mankind's sin. This is what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And isn't that awesome that he took our sin, gave us his righteousness. And so now he is the fulfillment of the feast of the unleavened bread. Not only that, but Jesus, when he was here, he talked about the manna from heaven. Remember the manna from heaven? 
During the desert years, the Israelites every day had to go out and gather this food from heaven to live, to survive. And then Jesus told his hearers, he said, I am the bread from heaven. And so he tells us, I'm the bread of life and you need to come and eat of me. And so every day Jesus is fulfilling the Feast of Unleavened Bread in the sense that we need him and we need to eat of him and have this relationship with him. Every single day, Jesus is a fulfillment of the Passover. He's our lamb of the unleavened bread. He is without sin on our behalf. And finally, in this sequence, the Feast of First Fruits. And Jesus, uh, after he was crucified, was buried. But on the third day, he rose to life, defeating death, becoming the first fruits of our future resurrection and victory. And so the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And the fourth festival that, uh, and feast that Jesus has fulfilled is Pentecost, which we're going to talk about in this series. Now, the final three are yet to be fulfilled, and they will all be fulfilled in the sequence of 22 days when Jesus returns. When we hear the trumpet call of God, and the angels, and Jesus, and the dead in Christ rise, and he raptures the church, the last three will be fulfilled. Now, why do I point this all out again for us? Because it is so important for you and I to know where we stand today in God's story of history. We are in the most exciting time of human history. We are post-cross, but we are also pre the return of Christ. We are the church and we have been fully empowered to do what Jesus began to do and to finish what Jesus started. We are hastening and preparing for the return of the King. And we have a great mission and a great message to give that Jesus has empowered us with his spirit through Pentecost to do. And that's what this is all about. This power has a purpose. And that's why I'm calling this the power of Pentecost so that we can experience the fullness of what God has gifted us for now for such a time as this so that we can help bring back the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. So I'm standing here in front of the Veterans Memorial here in Montrose, uh, and obviously this is a memorial to all the veterans who have served in our uh, United States Armed Forces, and we're so thankful and appreciative for them. And just like this is something for us to remember, God makes these feasts and festivals so that we remember what God has done and what He is doing uh, in His redemptive process. And so as we talk about Pentecost these next three weeks, I want to identify the three major aspects of Pentecost and what God did and is doing uh, since that time to empower and launch His church into this last stage of human history so that we can usher in the kingdom and the King returns. Um, and so, first of all, as we dive into this, um, I want to talk about the actual historical event. So God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt um, uh, through the desert, uh, and that was on Passover. And those first three Passover, unleavened uh, bread, and the first fruits was all fulfilled um, later through Jesus. But the first Passover was God's physical deliverance of the people from bondage. Now that mirrors our spiritual deliverance from sin through Jesus and the cross. 
But then as they're traveling through the desert, 50 days later, by the way, that's what Pentecost means in, uh, in the Greek is 50 days. 50 days later, Moses met God on Mount Sinai. Moses went to the top of the mountain and represented the people before God. And God and the people made a covenant together. And God gave the people, gave Moses on two stone tablets, the Ten Commandments, or what is known in Hebrew as the Torah, or uh, we know it as the first five books of the Bible. So God gave the Torah historically to the people on the, on the very first historical Pentecost as the Jews recognize it to this day. And so each year uh, in the Jewish culture, when they celebrate Pentecost, which is coming up uh, for the Jewish calendar, May 28th, this Thursday, for the Christian calendar, it's this Sunday, May 31st. And they celebrate the giving of the Torah at this time. And the, the word of God is so uh, central to the Jewish worship of God. It is their highest value uh, and expression of worship is to study and to put into practice the Torah. Now, the Torah is a word uh, describing the word of God that has been translated mostly in English as the word law, but it's a really horrible translation. So I want to draw out for you in Hebrew the actual letters that make up the word Torah and describe it for you. So it's made up of four letters, uh, Tav, Vav, um, Resh, and then Hey. And these four letters come from ancient pictures, which we call pictograms. And these pictograms or pictures describe the original meaning of these letters. And so when we look at the original pictures, we can see uh, a deeper, really exciting meaning of this word Torah. So the first letter is Tav. And of course, Hebrew is right to left. It's backwards to English. Actually, English is backwards to Hebrew, I should say, since English came later. But Tav was a picture of a cross, represented covenant or a cross, cross sticks. Vav uh, is a picture of a nail or a tent peg, and it was used to connect things like nails do today, connecting boards together. Uh, and then Resh is a letter that was a picture of the head of a man, and it represented uh, the first or maybe the premier or even prince. Prince, and that's what I'd like to stress with you on this word is prince. And then finally, hey, is a picture of a man with the ar his arms open wide, looking at something, almost saying to everybody else, look, behold, see. And so when we string these ancient meanings together, these pictures, the pictographic definition of Torah is one of the most exciting pictographic uh, definitions I have ever seen in my life, and it gives me goosebumps when I think about it. Let's put it all together. To the cross is nailed the prince. Behold, look at him. I've got some exciting things to share with you. The Torah, the Word of God, the Bible, is not a book of laws. It is a book of love, and everything in it is pointing to us to see Jesus, to see the love and the grace of God displayed on the cross and all of the Torah, the meaning itself says, look to the cross, behold, on the cross is nailed the Prince of Heaven, the Son of God, for you and for me to take away our sins. 
all of our redemption and all of the Bible and the entire history of mankind is showing us that God is revealing step by step his redemptive process for you and for me because he loves us and he, he sees us as the climax of his creation. And he wants every single one of us to come home to him and spend eternity with him. And so Jesus, when he shows up, he's not just showing up as the son of God. He is showing up as the word of God embodied in human flesh. The Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw him and we beheld his glory. So now we move from from the word on stone tablets to the word in flesh in front of us. And then on Pentecost, we will see that now the word doesn't just stand in front of us, but it comes in us through the Holy Spirit and begins to write his word on our heart. So the Jews, as their tradition, is the first night of the feast of Pentecost is they stay up all night long studying the Torah. I've never done that before, but I'm considering trying it this, this, this year. Uh, maybe it'd be something you want to try. So Jews would do this all around the world. They'll stay up all night and they'll just study the Torah and pray the first thing in the morning to God. They're so thankful for this gift of life to us that God gives us so that we can know his ways, be set free spiritually from immorality and idolatry, and live life to the full in him and through him. And they also say this, that Pentecost is not when we receive the Torah, but Pentecost is the commemoration of God giving the Torah. Because God gives the Torah at Pentecost and every day we receive. Every day we need to keep receiving the word of God in our hearts that we might come alive, be full of him and become more like Jesus. So every day keep going to Jesus the, the word of God and receive him into your life and become more and more like him. So now moving from uh, the, the historical Pentecost to the Acts chapter two Pentecost, what was the big difference? And uh, the big difference was that there's a prophecy uh, through, the, through the prophet Jeremiah 31 uh, verse 33, where God says, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And so this prophecy, after the first covenant was established, the prophet Jeremiah says, God is gonna do a new covenant and this covenant is gonna take the word of God from stone and put it on hearts. This is amazing. And so for hundreds and hundreds of years, over a thousand, thousand years, the Jews were studying the Torah and uh, it was pointing to the future Messiah, pointing to God's love and grace, uh, but, but it was on stone tablets. Can you imagine walking around, you know, um, carrying stone tablets to read the word of God? Uh, that, that didn't work so good. And, and then Moses, of course, probably wrote it down on parchment, but not everybody had a copy. And now today, not, not only do we have Bibles with, with pages that we can read anytime we want, but it's bigger than that. God said, I'm not gonna just give you a book. I'm gonna put my words on your heart. This is amazing. And that's what happened in Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit showed up on Pentecost, on the anniversary 
of the giving of the word, the word didn't just show up in a person like Jesus. The word came upon people, into people, and began to be written on their hearts, on our hearts. And not only that, but there is a law in the Torah. And by the way, Jesus has to fulfill all the Torah. And he is known as the king of kings. And there's a law for all kings. And when a king takes his place, this is what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 17, 18. It says, when he takes the throne of his kingdom, when Jesus takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll, a copy of this law or a copy of the Torah taken from that of the Levitical priests. So Jesus, to fulfill the Torah, which he actually is the word of God, but to fulfill all the, all the word of God, he has to write his own copy. And I believe that he is writing his copy on your heart and on my heart. He is our king and we are his letter. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.3. 3. He says, you show that you are a letter from Christ, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And that is what Pentecost is all about. This is the first major aspect I want to share with you is that God is writing his word on our heart. Now, the fact is, though, this doesn't happen automatically. Let me give you an example. You can be a Christian and still have a worldly mind, worldly thinking, be caught up in worldly matters, and not have the spirit ruling and reigning in your mind and in your heart. The difference is, now this side of Acts chapter 2, all of us alive today have a choice. We can cooperate with the Holy Spirit to allow Him and to comply with His will to be conformed to the image of Christ. He will write God's Word on our heart if we allow Him to. And that's my encouragement to you, is to make that choice to live with life and peace, not live with a sinful mind. Paul puts it this way, we can either live according to the flesh or according to the sinful nature, or we can live in accordance with the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus said the Spirit would be with you and He would be in you. But we have a choice to live in accordance with the Holy Spirit, or we can keep control and live in our worldly, sinful mindset. So here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Those who live according to the sinful nature, the key is this, have their minds set on what that nature desires. It's just like you have a dial on your brain and you literally are just going click, 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 and you're setting it to the sinful nature. I know a lot of us, because we've been isolated, we've been dealing with this crisis, a lot of us have been looking for stuff to do, and so we've been spending a lot of time on social media. And quite frankly, I think a lot of our minds are set on the discussions going on. Some of them we might even call arguments. And uh, we can get wrapped up into the news. We can get wrapped up in these arguments. We can be so filled and it can start to take over and we can start getting angry or frustrated or we can start saying things we probably shouldn't be saying and thinking things and, and, and because our mind is set on something, okay? But here's the contrast to that. If it's producing frustration, anger, strife in your heart and in your mind, it's not coming from the Spirit. This is what the rest of the verse says. Paul says, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds, click, 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 you know, set or dialed in on what the Spirit desires. And listen to this. The mind of sinful man is death, 
but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. We can choose to allow the Holy Spirit to rule and reign in our hearts and minds and have life and peace. Or we can choose to do it our way and experience death, darkness, brokenness, and bondage. Romans 8.13, Paul says this, If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit, if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. There really is a choice of life and death when we choose to set our mind on one thing or the other. So now we have this gift from God, the gift of His Word and the gift of His Spirit to take His Word and to write it on our hearts. And to do that, this doesn't happen automatically. We have to give God something to work with. That's why I always go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, Paul says at the conclusion of this book, close to the end, he says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. And when you let the Holy Spirit renew your mind with God's truth and write His word on your heart, the Bible says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And how many of us could use a little bit more life and peace? You know, we all can. And that's God's desire for you. And that is why He gave us of His Spirit to put His word on our hearts. So Thursday at sundown, May 28th, uh, for the Jewish people, um, which is co coincidentally, hopefully, the end of our self uh, stay-at-home ordinance for Michigan. We can shift our focus. We can choose to change our mind and focus on the Word of God, which produces life and peace in us. And let's start to make a change in what we put our attention to and our focus on. Now, there's a saying that we have in our language that says, uh, uh, I, I, I know it by heart. And when we, when we say that phrase, I know it by heart, whether we're talking about a song or we're talking about a verse in the Bible, what we really are saying is, I've memorized it, okay? I've memorized that verse. Oh, I know that. I know that by heart. But this is different when I'm talking about when I say the Holy Spirit has come to write God's word on our heart. It's not that we just know it, not that we've read it, not that we've just um, memorized it, but a super natural work of God is to take his values, his love, his compassion, his righteousness, his wisdom, and all of these things from the word of God as we study it and actually embed in our being, our core character, our core thinking patterns, that this is now who we are. To have the word of God written on our hearts changes our core. And that is a supernatural act of God. It transforms our lives and the church comes alive and that's what changes the world. So my prayer for you today is that you would put your mind, you would set your mind on this amazing gift of God. The Word of God not only made flesh, but now you are the flesh. If you allow God's Word to dwell in you richly, <clears throat> excuse me, the Spirit will write that on your heart and will change you from the inside out. You'll become more like Jesus and you'll be contagious with life and peace to those around you. That's how the church shines. And that's how we live out 
in this time of human history, the greatest time to be alive, as we prepare and hasten the coming of our Lord and Jesus by preaching the gospel and by raising up disciples until he returns. That's the mission of the church today. And that's your mission and my mission. And we are fully empowered and we are fully launched by the Spirit of God to do what Jesus did and to finish what he started. So let's go church, let's make a difference. Now listen, as I finish this message today, you may be listening and say, man, I didn't realize all this stuff about God and how much he loved me, how much Jesus did for me. And, and you have a, a desire to know God and to be right with him. You want to experience Jesus as the bread of heaven. You, you know that you've been lacking something and it's him. And today you're ready to get right with God. Well, I'm gonna give you that opportunity to be saved, to give your life to Jesus, to receive the bread from heaven so that your soul might be satisfied and you might become alive. Switching over, crossing over from death to life, becoming a future resurrected person in Christ, right? That your soul and spirit are immediately resurrected, but one day you will spend eternity in heaven with God and all those who by faith have proclaimed Jesus as Lord. So if you're ready to do that, let's pray this prayer together. Pray this in your heart with me and say, Jesus, I come to you today and I thank you that you love me. I didn't realize that this whole story is about you coming to me and showing me God's love and God's grace. But today I realize that and I know I need you and I ask for you to fill me with your love, to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life. I'm, I surrender all to you today, Lord. And I declare with my mouth, Jesus, you are Lord and you are my savior. Thank you for loving me and showing me the love of God and the grace of God. I pray this in your name, amen, amen. Welcome to the family of God. All of heaven is celebrating with you and your decision today. Hey, before I go, I'm gonna uh, pray a blessing on you. But if you prayed that prayer and you got right with God today, right now my wife and I are online at a Zoom call waiting to meet you. Would you click on the link right now and, and greet us? Just sign in real quick and click on that and see us. And so we can just meet you and congratulate you and get to know you a little bit. And uh, we'll just spend a couple minutes with you just to get, get a chance to say hi and celebrate your decision today. And if you're new and visiting, we'd love you to click on that link too so that we can meet you. Last week had a great time uh, meeting some folks and I would love to meet you this week. So right now, we're waiting to say hi and meet you. So go ahead and click on that. And, uh, and as we close this message, I want to encourage our children to stick around for Ryan as he comes again with another great message and a great time for your kids. So let's uh, lift our hands towards heaven. Okay, the Bible says that's where our help comes from. Let me pray God's blessing on you and the fullness of God's word to come alive in you. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom, his life, that nothing broken and nothing missing would be in your life. And may the word of God be written richly on your heart this week. Every day, may you receive more and more of the gift that God has given to you, his spirit and his word in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I love you guys. Hope to see you soon. We're gonna do some special events shortly. Looking forward to regathering together. God bless you.